All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Less Stress Life podcast, where we help burnt out adults get their energy back and tell them the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can have the life that they want. And we're really excited for our next guest, Dr. Debbie Bright. She's a weight loss and gut health expert. Dr. Debbie is a internationally recognized and board certified functional medicine physician, exercise physiologist, and nutritionist. As the founder and CEO of the International Millennial Health Movement, Dr. Deb helps millennials discover their hidden food sensitivities so that they can heal their face, skin, fat, and fatigue, all within 21 days or less. While weight loss is that is what Dr. Debbie does, restoring self-worth is who she is. Dr. Deb is an author, speaker, and public feature with appearances on TV, radio, podcasts, and is frequently featured in health and wellness magazines. Dr. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Joel, it is such a pleasure to be here to serve your community. So thank you for having me. Yeah, well, listen, I'm, I'm really excited to get into how, how you got to where you got to, your own background story, and now what your mission is to help uh, those that are suffering get their health back. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, Debbie? Yeah, so, you know, for as long as I can remember um, or could remember, when I was a kid, I was always that tired kid. You know, um, I kind of like to stay in my room, keep to myself, more introverted. And, you know, that, that was always with me. And so if we fast forward to um, when I decided to go to grad school, I went to chiropractic school. Um, and that's what I got my doctorate in and my master's in nutrition as well. Um, when I was first going in, I went to the doctor and I just was like, you know, I'm tired. Grad school is going to be a significant amount of hours. Um, you know, it's <laughs> people will always often ask me, um, you know, well, how does grad school like that compare to like regular college? And it's like, well, in regular college or grad school, it's like, you know, 12 hours is full time versus grad school's nine. We were doing like 27 to 36 hours, uh, you know, of a curriculum, right? It's a grind. And Anyway, so I just told the doctor, like, I have trouble paying attention, you know, I've got this foggy brain and whatnot. And so they just, they put me on Adderall. And so every day for over a year, I took this pill and I just felt like I could, well, it wasn't felt, I, I could not sleep anymore. And at first it was fine because, you know, when you're younger, you can run yourself pretty hard and there's a little bit more wiggle room and forgiveness. So taking this pill never really sleeping, just kind of feeling like my eyes felt sunk back in my head. Um, on the weekends when I wouldn't take it, I would sleep the whole weekend. I would just totally burn out and crash. Right. So, um, one of my classmates, he, he noticed some of these things going on with just like my overall behavior. It's just really good at reading people. And he came up to me and he said, I know what you're going through. I know what you're up to. I've been there before and I can help you change your ways by addressing, um, your gut health, the foods you're eating. You probably have something called, he was calling it food allergies. Um, but now we, we know the term is more related to food intolerance or food sensitivities. And I was able to free myself of the Adderall and change my diet and get a much bigger energy payoff focus better moods, deeper sleep, um, lost 14 pounds and excelled in grad school. Whereas before on Adderall strung out, sleepless, deprived, um, 
wasn't getting the grades you would think one would get when they're, you know, taking the study drug. So Joel, that essentially, um, propelled me into, you know, I love sports rehab and everything that chiropractic had to offer, but it moved me forward to doing a more functional nutrition type of, um, taking that approach with patients. And so that's where we are today. Wow. Awesome. So it's, it's interesting. A couple of facts that you talk about in that is that you learned that in grad school while you were going to help other people and, and in a physical rehab kind of way, and not really maybe realizing your own challenges and how that increased your scope of practice for when you did graduate. I can relate to that. I remember when I was going through chiropractic college, it was like I had a permanent IV of caffeine going into my veins. <laughs> and I remember the anxiety. We all studied really hard and, and always having quizzes and exams and deadlines. So the stress of that, we were exercising ourselves and, and here I was, and I did, I took a different fork in the road. I didn't have the, the bet, I guess the, the experience of being prescribed Adderall. And by the time I graduated, that's when I was exhausted and burnt out. Whereas by the time you graduated, maybe I'm wrong, but you had seen, been shown the light and how you can move and use the holistic approach of nutrition and foods to, to get your health, you know, ready to go. So that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about. So as far as what, um, what were the key changes? What were the foods that you ate and what were the things that you did and how long were you on the Adderall and, and how did you pull yourself out of, out of that, not being able to focus and, and brain fog? Tell me, tell us a little more about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so that's a great question. And I want to set this question up with, you know, first by letting you know that just because I had learned a little bit of the ropes with personal experience, it's not that we don't relapse, right? We come out of school, we're exhausted. There needs to be some repair there, but usually it's, we've got to find the job, get to working, make sure you know, no more student loan checks coming in. They kicked us out into the world and we have this excessive student loan debt and lots of stress. And so there's definitely been times in my life and, you know, and, you know, Dr. Joel, as, as, as physicians, we, we tend to be more people pleasing because we care so much about our patients. So I've had to take what I've learned, redefine it, go deeper on it and, um, you know, pay the own price of, of visiting, re tapping back into fatigue. So I think it's important for the listeners to know that, um, it's not, I just fixed it and it was done. It's, it's ongoing and it's self-awareness, self-care. And you start to, to feel, you know, like you're tipping the scale too much and bringing it back around. And, you know, we also did our fair share, at least on my end, you know, in my younger days, in my, in my twenties, I graduated at the age of 27. It was like studying, you know, what is study hard, play harder. And we did our own fair share of like going out, partying, also making sure we're getting in the gym and the 35 year old me, I would just simply that like, that would break me. Um, but to answer you completely with the foods and whatnot, um, before I made the switch, I was just eating stuff that is standard American diet. So, um, gosh, like breakfast pizzas, you know, getting, um, having waffles, uh, not adequate amounts of protein in the diet. Um, you know, not having foods that were stabilizing my blood sugar, 
Um, not that I've ever been excessively overweight, but there were times where when the diet was worse, I was definitely trending that way. And if I hadn't recognized it and stopped it, um, and you know, with, with getting in, you know, clean, lean protein, um, more plants in the diet foods that help feed our gut bacteria and really focusing on gut health, you know, we get big energy wins and they happen really fast. Like I often tell people, um, sometimes in as little as four days or less, Um, and so it was just, it's finding that focus, but then also knowing as with age, you know, that was me in my late twenties. Now I'm 35 and I work a lot with women, you know, millennial women that are 30 plus. And sometimes after we help them, we get their, their, we call them the sexy grandma. We get their mothers too, but there's a lot of other stuff that plays into this, like hormonal imbalances, different things. You know, have you been on long-term birth control? um, that can act like an antibiotic on the gut is there's just so many things that play into this with lifestyle habits and food is just like the tip of the iceberg really when it comes to healing fatigue. So I know I just went off on a big tangent. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, so a couple of things I I like to echo is, is that that's a, a good point in terms of, I learned this from Dr. Lynch and all the MTHF star that MTHFR stuff that he teaches. Mm -hmm. And basically one of the things he said, he learned from a professor was the professor said that cancer is a verb, not a noun. And I would say the same thing in terms of all health is a verb, not a noun weight loss is a verb and, and adrenal fatigue recovery is a verb in terms of it's a process and it's a lifestyle change. It's not something you do one time. And, and that's a huge aha for, for a lot of people once they realize that. So as far as for you now, now you work with millennials, as you mentioned, and you help them with food choices and understanding how to reclaim their gut health and how hormones are impacted and interrelated to all of that. But again, as far as mindset, because I like to help the listeners understand the mindset component and the willingness and the openness and always looking for a shiny object with a new test. And I haven't done this yet and I haven't done that yet. And they're not looking at the elephant in the room. And so we will go into the the chemistry or the the food sensitivities and the gut health and what you're doing. But before we do that, Debbie, tell us a little bit about the the mindset or how important or what you teach your clients from what you learned to be able to set the table, if you will, for making sure that they adopt the verb like kind of vision. Yeah. So gosh, without mindset, nothing is going to shift, right? And I always like to take the approach of human doing versus human being, right? So we can just do, 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 uh, you know, work, get the kids out to school, make sure everybody's got their meals, brush around, fast food, driving in the car, constantly on social media, looking at our phone with meals, do, 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 right? There's no restorative self-care going on in there. And so, um, it's like you were saying there, there's this way of human being and it's ongoing lifestyle choices. So, you know, you don't, you're not a runner unless what do runners do? They, they, they run every day, just about every day. Right. If you're a weightlifter, same thing. If you're a person who, um, takes care of your health and you have a healthy weight, you're going to be making the right meal choices every single day, making sure that you prioritize your exercise. It starts to become second nature. It's not something that you have to actively be choosing. I always think about it in the terms of, um, 
I got to, I got to like, make sure I say this right. There's consciously incompetent. So I, my professor used to once say, uh, you suck and you don't even know it. Right. And then you can move into consciously incompetent. You suck and you do know it. <laughs> and then we want to shift into, um, and that's where people are that, that either know, you know, it's, it's the, their health journey. They're either, they know the pain point, they know they're exhausted or they've got some pounds to lose or whatever, but they don't know what to do about it. Or they do know that there are things they should be doing, but they don't know how to implement it to help change themselves and improve their life. Um, and then we move into, so what is it's consciously competent. So you're good and you know it, right? And ideally those, those people that have mastered the being of who it is they want to be unconsciously competent right? So you're really great at it. It's second nature. You don't even have to think about it. Oftentimes that's, we used to hear that's your 10,000 hours of practice, right? And so uh, that doesn't have to sound scary, but I often just try to shift the mindset of people into like bringing awareness in and education, always leading with stories. People, uh, it doesn't matter how much you or I tell them doing something is so great, but social proofing it. So having our other patients speak for us, um, helps them see themselves in someone else and say, Hey, that person did it. So that could be me too. And I think that's just, that's just really huge. And then I had a mentor, um, who talks about, at least in my case, where it comes to making healthier food choices is he said, have your people talk to your, talk to their food. And we're all like, what? That sounds crazy. But if we make a little worksheet and we start going into the pantry and we say this cupcake or this cookie or this processed packaged food, what if we started to talk to it and say, that's low energy, that's a headache, that's fatigue, that's burnout, what nutrition is available to support my body's needs. If we talk to our food like that, we can make a different perspective that we can live into. Now we look at, let's say, some steamed broccoli, some wild caught salmon, you know, that's energy, that's nutrition, that's, that's health. That's, you know, whatever the person wants to call it for a mom, it could be making those decisions around giving her kids candy or, you know, saying no to the packaged food and making sure it, it just, it just reiterates and reassures that, that we know what to do. And this is how we like make sure we get it done. Right. It's like you said, mindset's everything. And without it, people get nowhere. Yeah. And I, and I think most coaches know that. I mean, I think we look at ourselves as, as health coaches now in terms of the pivot that's happened with COVID and not really having the brick and mortar business that we were trained when we came out of school. And now we are helping people adopt healthy lifestyles and teaching them the verb of getting their health back or losing the weight. And ultimately it starts with that. And, and I just wanted to bring that up. So, and I'm glad to see that you're using it the way you are. Uh, as far as you mentioned, when you were the, the person who was intuitive that said to you, hey, I can help you. And it said to you food allergies, but now we know better and food sensitivities and uh, what, what are the top symptoms that someone can look at or look for to indicate that they may have food sensitivities and maybe tell the listeners what a food sensitivity is? Yeah, that's a great one. So um, 
There are three categories of what I call adverse food reactions. And one is food allergies, there's food intolerance, and there's food sensitivities. And I'll quickly break it down and then I'll tell you what symptoms play into each one. So um, I think people will be like, wow, they'll be very surprised to hear this. But so a food allergy is essentially um, a true food allergy. It involves an immediate immune reaction to food as soon as it has been eaten. Uh, symptoms can be mild to life-threatening. So um, examples would be like someone ingests peanuts or tree nuts, shellfish, EpiPen. I often tell people to think about, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hitch, um, but he's, he remember when he cooks and then like he eats the food and he, he, blow, he blows up and like his lips swollen, needs Benadryl. That is like a true food allergy. You eat something, something negative happens immediately. You know that you react to that food. No questions asked. Um, the next one is um, the category of food intolerance, which is a non-immune reaction to certain foods that occur uh, because a person simply lacks the digestive enzymes that may be responsible for breaking that food down. So symptoms could include um, people who turn red, right? Like the flushing, uh, they can have cold and flu-like symptoms. Um, there can be a lot of inflammation and dietary discomfort. So examples of this include, you know, people who drink alcohol without the enzymes available to break it down. Um, some dairy products, sulfites and like wines, histamine is a big one for food intolerance. Um, and then think about things like artificial colors and food coloring. You know, we just came out of Halloween. So a lot of processed packaged things, it looks great. It's nice, bright and red and yellow and blue, but it can cause behavioral issues in children. And we, we just, it's a chemical food. It's not a real food. And we just don't have the digestive enzymes present for food that's not real. So that's a food intolerance. And then lastly, the food sensitivities. So um, those are immune reactions that are delayed by hours to even days. And they're usually caused by an imbalance in the gastrointestinal system that um, is affecting the immune system. So symptoms can differ from person to person and they can include migraines, skin breakouts, fatigue, difficulty sleeping, weight gain, muscle and joint pain, excessive sweating, mood swings, IBS, you name it. Um, and the biggest thing is that people don't often identify that a food is a problem for them because of the delayed response. That could mean you eat something and 72 hours later, you break out in acne or you're getting these headaches or your psoriasis flares, um, the fatigue, you know, usually with fatigue, when somebody eats something that they're reactive to, we'll usually see it three or four hours later where they feel like they're crashing. Um, so yeah, so, so those are the three adverse categories and some of the symptoms that go along with them. Yeah. And not even the, the delayed onset, but also the, the outside, the GI disturbances in terms of the symptoms. Cause so many people will say, Oh, I have an iron stomach. I never have any challenges with with my with reactions to foods, I have good movements, or I don't have any constipation. But meanwhile, like, well, why are we talking? You know, why are you seeing me? Well, I'm exhausted, I'm burnt out, I can't focus, I don't sleep, I don't handle. Well, could that not be a reaction as well? So maybe explain to the listeners why, uh, how that could even be involved from food sensitivity in terms of why would someone have headache or why would they have joint pains or why would they have 
motivation or libido issues or weight loss resistance in that case, if it's a food sensitivity. Yeah. I, I love how you said that it's outside the GI tract and that is the key because it all comes back to the health of our gut. Um, and, and people might recognize the term leaky gut. And so what happens is, um, you know, our, from mouth to anus, right? We've got our gut lining and what goes through there isn't actually in the body until it's absorbed and assimilated, which kind of sounds crazy, but think about a tube and you drop your keys down it and it falls out the other end. We actually have cells with little finger-like projections that reach out and they grab onto the nutrients in our food and they pull them through what is a single cell layer thick. Now, one cell layer between your gut inside that lumen, that tube, and into your bloodstream, that's not much at all. And it's meant to be like that so the nutrients can easily get in. However, it's easy to break it down. So things like stress, eating processed foods, like especially GMOs, because they are often um, genetically modified for, you know, things like glyphosate or Roundup, which breaks down the gut lining and kills our healthy gut bacteria. Uh, taking medications like antibiotics and pain relievers, um, eating inflammatory foods and inflammatory standard American diet, getting too much sugar and fructose into the gut, things like gluten, gluten will release something called, uh, zonulin as well as certain inflammatory bacteria. They release something called lipopolysaccharides. And these things go in and, and lay down on that gut and they start to break those cells down. So either, um, in between the cells they are called tight gap junctions. I always tell people to put their fingers together and flip their hand upside down, like they were going to hold water in them. And then those laced fingers, if you start to pull them apart, um, you'll right. They'll become like little gaps where the water would pour through. And that's essentially like leaky gut. And what happens is, is these, um, these food proteins that should be better digested than they are. They're larger and they slip through and through those gap junctions, those broken down junctions, and they go into the bloodstream. And now the body recognizes them and says, Hey, this is a foreign invader. And so it affords these immune complexes that race around the system. And by system, I mean, systemically, our blood goes everywhere, it goes to our brain, it goes to our skin, it goes to our joints, our organs, our muscles everywhere. And so within people's more genetic wink, I trying to, I'm getting tongue tied genetic weak link is where these problems will start to show up. And then it'll look like nutrient malabsorption, um, autoimmune disease and autoimmune disease is a big one because when these immune complexes slip through, let's say, uh, the body happens, it's called molecular mimicry. It's where they look similar to our immune system as say the thyroid gluten, right? And dairy looks similar to gluten and gluten looks like our thyroid tissue. So the body, when we're eating these things attacks that stuff, but it also starts to cause us to attack our own tissue. And so that creates autoimmune disease. Um, and so ultimately that's the root of where food sensitivities come from, but it's, it's ability to get out systemically to all areas of the body that creates that overall systemic inflammation. And so that's where we see these symptoms showing up. 
Yeah, I mean, that's an awesome answer. I think that really paints a really nice picture and, and an easier, my easier, less scientific way than you would just say, wherever the weak links in the chain break is where they break. And if you have inflammatory cells that are circulating in the bloodstream, it can cause a headache when the inflammation gets into the brain and it can create joint pains when it gets into the joints. And like we said, extracellular or extra GI, that's where it's going to happen. And I also love Debbie that you talk about, because a lot of people have that reflex default. Oh, I have an autoimmunity. So I'm going to go on the autoimmune diet and it's no gluten, it's no dairy, but you've brought in sulfites, you've brought in histamines, you've brought in um, even the glyphosates, and, and there's so much more to the story now. Uh, I'm really interested to know with testing, uh, the food sensitivity testing, are you, first of all, tell us a little bit about what tests you like to do and what it tests for. And is it an expanded panel or expanded test uh, board where you're looking at glyphosates or challenges with histamines or sulfites or other things that should be on the basic, I know there's a gluten sensitivity radar, but what else could I possibly be looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so just so everybody understands to this day, the ultimate gold standard isn't even a test. It's the elimination reintroduction diet. Um, so what that looks like is taking a food out for 21 days minimum and 21 days, because the antibody is built up to those foods. They have, um, a half-life of that long. So they start to die off. Now people genuinely start to feel better within, um, like I said, four days, they're, they're kind of, we go through like a craving phase where our immune systems like really out there hunting for it. And then it, it starts to calm down. Um, and people will in that 21 days, magic will happen. They lose the weight, the bloat, um, their energy level skyrocket. So usually like, you know, like I said, make it to day four and it's like, oh, you also took me off of caffeine and all this other stuff, but I've had energy like I've never had before. And they start sleeping way deeper and the body just responds so, so well to taking, I, I don't want to say just taking the foods out, but it's also putting in very nutrient dense foods that work on healing the gut lining at the same time. That's super important. Beyond that, you have to take one food at a time, eat it a little bit of it each meal for about four days and just test your reaction. And if you know, like if the food is a problem, you're definitely going to know about it. You know, I have patients that that, that means when you reintroduce it after 21 days. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So one food at a time per week, because, you know, I've had people that go through a 21 day phase and they feel so amazing, but maybe they didn't quite grasp the lifestyle shift and it's day 22. Let's have a cheat meal. And then the cheat meal contains gluten, dairy, corn, like it's way too many foods in it. So we can't pinpoint what was causing the problem. And the reason we want to go back to reintroduction is because we don't want to live so restricted. We don't want to take the fun out of our, our food and start to create, uh, I, I see a lot of this with this orthorexia, right? So where people are obsessed with eating clean foods, or in this case, scared to death to eat anything outside of what we removed. Right. And there's a freedom in the reintroduction because now you learn 
And then, uh, you know, if a lot of stuff's coming back, that just tells us that we need to spend more time working on the gut. So then we would move beyond, take those foods out three months, work, work on the gut, put in, um, gut healing supplements and, you know, lots of inflammation, cooling foods, and then, you know, retest again. And then if it's, you know, for some people, they're just not going to do well with gluten, or they're just not going to do well with dairy, uh, with, you know, with something like eggs, it's like, well, maybe you just need to get higher quality eggs and pay attention to what you're eating and what it ate too, right? Like what are the chickens being fed? I hope it's not, you know, corn and soy and creating this fatty, this inflammatory fatty acid profile in your egg versus chickens out in their natural habitat, roaming around free, eating grubs and bugs. That's, that's, you know, that's where some of this stuff comes into play. And I know I'm going down a large path here, but um, as far as testing goes, usually when I put someone through an elimination diet, which is the go-to always, if they're an outlier, so if they're saying like, oh, I'm just not getting, you know, as um, a big of a payoff or as many results as someone else, I can put them through food sensitivity testing but I never, ever, ever do it solo. I also combine it with a stool lab. And I particularly like the GI map by diagnostic solutions. And then I like the food sensitivity tests, um, by Cyrex, their array, I believe it's like three, four, and 10 and, or vibrant America. I like their, they're called zoomers. So they go really deep where they check the food at the very smallest peptide level and those tend to be great labs. Um, they are a little bit pricey, but if you're really suffering and you're having problems and you need to figure out what's going on with you, um, you know, I can take you off what I call the top seven heavy hitters that are a big part of the standard American diet, but you individually may also be reacting to oranges or beef, or then we can really narrow that focus down and then work on healing the gut and then getting those foods back into your diet. Um, and Dr. Joel, you know, ultimately with the gut or with the stool lab too, I can look in there to see, do you have any, uh, gut dysbiosis, bacterial overgrowth, parasites, yeast, other stuff that would be playing a role in causing the body stress issues. Certain bacteria can show up um, that we know in the literature, they say that they're linked to more inflammatory skin issues, more rashes, more psoriasis, things like that. Um, and you know, if our gut's not healthy, we're not going to feel well, we're not going to have good energy. So it's just deeper diving at that point. Yeah, no, there's lots of things you said. The two things that it really resonate and want to repeat is the fact that the gold standard is the elimination diet. I think that's so key. I think that as we advance in knowledge, not just the patient, but the doctor, as well as his clinical or her clinical experience of what's working, it gets back to the old hat of listening and, and testing, you know, just with day-to-day -day stuff and, and customizing, not just going off of a reductionistic test that says, this is where you are. There's no leeway for false positive or negative results. And the goal, you're, you're, you're actually doing a case study of one for that person, hearing how they're responding to it, telling them, hey, you need to be a partner with me in helping you get better. And I need to hear about how you're doing. So you're really doing that, which is awesome. The other thing too, which I think most people miss is, which you said already was the key was to 
if you're going to remove these foods, you're going to remove some of the nutrients that are vital, like the fibers or the prebiotics or the B vitamins. And, and you need to replace those. And some of the feeling crappiness of, of that response to the elimination is, is because of the devoid of nutrients. So, so I love that as well. Um, I, I, I haven't done too many vibrant tests, but I have had clients that I do case reviews for. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to start to do more vibrant testing, uh, especially with the, uh, the gut zoomer and how, how I'm impressed with the PCR DNA uh, standards that the, the diagnostic solutions does as well, which is the GI map. And, and that's a great test too. Don't you find that uh, people that say, well, I don't need a stool test. I did it through LabCorp or Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always tell them, I'll, well, I don't say, I shouldn't say this for my podcast, but for, for people, <laughs> I say, hey, if this test is negative, I'll pay for it. But I'll, I, I, I do that because I see their neutrophils are 75% or, you know, and they, they had a negative uh, GI map, or sorry, a negative lab core stool test that doesn't look at the DNA. And I always tell people like, think of like the crime scenes before they had DNA analysis. And then after they had DNA analysis, it's like 99.9% certainty that you were the crime, you were the criminal, right? That's the analogy. You could use that if you want and just- I'm um, stealing that totally. So that's fine. So that's what I tell people. And so, um, so then tell me then, cause you mentioned then the, the five R's in terms of when you do combine the GI map with a food sensitivity and maybe they're a complex case and you bring in the arrays from Cyrex, uh, where does the five R's come into play in terms of what you're doing to help them reclaim the, their gut health again? Yeah. So I call it my five R framework for rapid weight loss, which really stems off of the five R gut health framework as taught by the Institute for functional medicine. Um, you know, it's just framed around my patients because a lot of them initially come to me with weight loss and fatigue and, and, or skin issues. Right. So what that essentially looks like is I'll tell you them and then I'll, I'll deep dive, but, um, so remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, and rebalance. So remove would be removing the inflammatory foods from the diet and then removing any gut infections that might be going on parasites, H pylori, um, any dysbiosis or overgrowth that we often see, um, that would show up on the GI map, like you said. So getting those out first, and then the next step would be to replace. And so those are digestive enzymes, like stomach acid, like the betaine, pancreatic enzymes, support for the liver and gallbladder for fat digestion. You know, we can, we know so much about what's going on with digestion with the GI map, um, stool lab, just because I think what people don't understand is that these enzymes often as like they're, they're acidic, they're an astrogen, they keep the gut squeaky clean of the things that shouldn't be there. And, and with the standard American diet, with stress, with antibiotic use, we disrupt this, uh, healthy balance. And then we weaken these digestive enzymes. And then this unhealthy bacteria can overfeed and gorge itself on protein. That's not broken down well enough, or, uh, you know, we're just, if we're not able to break down our foods and we're not able to absorb and assimilate, right. You aren't what you eat. You are what you are assimilate. So 
um, those are really big ones that get people feeling a lot better because they get to digest their nutrients and, and absorb those so much better with replacing those digestive enzymes. And that's with supplements and then just lifestyle habits to try to help, you know, reinforce that. Um, the third one is re-inoculate. So that would be, um, like getting your healthier gut bacteria, um, with, you know, I like spore probiotics, um, and then prebiotics. I really like using resistant starch. So, um, you know, that's in like, uh, boiled and then chilled and reheated white potatoes. Um, green bananas are a great one. So with, uh, with the peel on, you can throw them into the blender, um, in a protein shake or smoothie. You don't taste it. Um, the great thing about resistant starch is it's resistant to us absorbing the starches or the sugars essentially, right. But it feeds our healthy gut bacteria. And so that's really, really key and important. Um, so yeah, getting the, getting probiotics in with the prebiotics Then the next phase is repair. So, you know, that could be, um, making sure we're getting lots of healthy food into the gut, getting great GI supportive supplements. You know, I like to use the designs for health GI revive. Um, I'm about to release my own product line specifically for millennial health and it's all lean body gut health focused. Um, so, you know, things that cool inflammation, uh, repair that gut lining. That's really huge. Glutamine, um, aloe, things like that. And then lastly, it's rebalance and rebalance is focused around lifestyle, right? So lowering stress levels, getting the right kind of exercise in improving sleep habits. And just, you know, we've worked so hard to repair this gut and make you feel better. So let's step into that human being of having healthier habits in place that can keep you there. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's not just the formulaic five hours like everyone does. I definitely think that the the rebalance is proprietary in terms of what Dr. Deb does and how she looks at the verb and your own story and the hormone tie-in and the activity levels. So those are all awesome stuff. I'm happy to hear how, how you're doing and I'm sure you're getting amazing clinical outcomes. As far as this was a little bit of a curveball, but it's an easy one for you. So as far as what I always like to ask my guests, because I want to respect your time, as far as what would you have told the younger bright eye and bushy tail Deb that you know now, uh, the sage like wisdom, if it could have knocked you forward or propelled you forward in health, that you could have avoided some of those lessons, what would those words of advice be to the younger Deb? Gosh, I was just in a, um, a mastermind event all weekend. And I, I like that you're asking me this because I would say for the listeners, you know, and giving the younger advice to me, I would say, what are you tolerating that robs you of joy? And this could be anything, right? They give examples like, you know, right now I get my nails done. One of my nails is broken, right? It doesn't bring me joy. I don't like the way that looks to as, you know, down to, you could have a dent in your car or in our case with our patients, you're not feeling so well, got extra weight to lose. You know, you need to get it off. You know, you need to start making healthier choices. This fatigue, I have been there. That fatigue is so crippling. Get to a physician, get your coach or your doctor, you know, be in a supportive community, get an accountability partner, make a commitment with your time and your money. Cause that's what, you know, unfortunately, or what I, or fortunately, whatever, it's the thing that gets you to commit. Um, and then 
just get started. Stop tolerating things that don't bring joy to your life. If you feel bad, there are answers. You might have to search, it might take a while, but there are answers there. And that's, I would tell myself that through and through. I wish that yeah. younger version knew that. Well, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 question because had you not learned those hard lessons, maybe you would not have gotten to where you are today. And some of the answers I get from my guests are, I don't think I would change anything. And I, I like that advice. I think that cheap is expensive. I think that what you don't pay for now becomes more expensive down the road and a problem now becomes a crisis. And what you're saying is avoid the crises, but also have that self love and, and and invest in yourself right away and and don't wait till it, it you know don't tolerate the unpleasant trees that it makes you feel so I, I love that answer i really do so as far as you mentioned the quiz that people can take and how would they learn about where to get in contact with you and what that quiz is about so we can give our listeners a way to to get in contact with you Yep. So I would say two ways. Um, I'm pretty active on social media, so um, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at Dr. Debbie Bright. That's D-R-D-E-B-B-I-E-B-R-I-G-H-T. If you have any questions, shoot me a DM. I answer those. Um, And outside of that, uh, one thing people really love to do is take my weight loss awareness quiz. And it's just as it sounds, weightlossawarenessquiz.com takes about four minutes. What it's really great at is helping you discover areas where you're getting things right, areas that could use some work. And it, um, it sheds light on your overall commitment to making a change. And so I think people really like to see that score. And then it drops you into my mailing list and you can just, you know, be a part of the team and the family from that point forward. So we'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know that the listeners will get a lot of value out of today. I learned a couple of things myself and I always keep the window or door open for down the road so that we can touch base and figure out what else you've learned in your journey. And I wish you nothing but continued success in your business and your personal life. Thank you, Dr. Joel. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you today. I feel like this is a really great interview and I'm blessed to uh, be with you and your Uh, followers. Well, thank you. And you have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.